And welcome to Pod Pod. I'm Rihanna Dillon. I'm your host. And this week I'm talking to a fellow BBC presenter, ex ex BBC presenter, Sean Keaveney. He was a long time radio DJ. He had a BBC breakfast show, Six Music, for a long time. He has also hosted several podcasts, including Show and Tell for Spotify. He has the lineup, Your Place or Mine. But the most exciting thing is that he's just recently launched Daily Grind for Global. And I say recently because I think we spoke to him at the end of his first week of recording. So we got him very raw, very fresh. You can definitely tell in the best possible way. Um, but before we get to talking all about Sean Keaveney, let's say hello to Reem Makari and Adam Shepherd. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me once again. How is life over in that podcast studio of yours? Life is good. Um, it's a bit cold in the studio, but all good. I can't believe we're um, recording an intro for an episode that, that's coming out on Halloween, and yet none of us are in costume. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You it's a shame. Sadly. Yeah. Soz. Soz about that. <laughs> I'm not sorry. Yeah, it's, if if we'd got our ducks in a row uh, early enough, we could have done a wonderful themed episode about all of our podcasting horror stories, which I'm sure we've all got, but uh, one for next year, maybe. It's okay, the imposter syndrome is kicking in, so I'm dressed as a podcaster. <laughs> Very good, the most terrifying thing. <laughs> so what has been going on in the world of podcasts this week uh well spotify released a checklist for uh podcasters ahead of the 2023 wrapped release so wrapped is uh, like a viral marketing campaign that they release annually and all users can see what their top most listened to artists are or most listened to podcasts and also podcasters get to see uh how their show has been doing and data about their listeners so because people tend to share all of their results on social media as soon as they're out spotify released a checklist for podcasters to make their show pages look as good as possible before people start promoting them um so they've directed them towards um customization and personalization tools so things like adding host recommendations onto your show page um or d directing them to the episode that they should start off with and other things like um, linking their social media accounts, adding Q&As and polls so that they can interact with listeners and just really to make their page look a bit more presentable. So everything's all ready as soon as they start to go viral on social media as well. Mm. Is Spotify wrapped a big part of your life, Adam? Are you one of those people who shares it immediately it comes out? I, I bet Reem does, but Adam, do you? <laughs> Yes, I do. <laughs> so I don't share my Spotify wrapped because it is universally just embarrassing. hideously embarrassing. Yeah. yeah did you, sorry um, to interrupt, but did you see there was an article about things that we've been listening to to make our Spotify wrapped look cooler this year? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's genuinely, I, every year around this time of, around this time of the year, I see multiple posts on social from people, yeah, doing exactly that uh, which is hilarious i um i remember last year i had one song that i listened to on repeat for an entire month i'm not even joking and it was because i was doing my dissertation and i had to listen to that song so that i could keep focusing so now, and write yeah, the dissertation yeah. and 
it ended up appearing on my on my Spotify Wrapped at the end of the year, and it was horrible. And I'm like, I don't listen to that song anymore because that song traumatizes me. Um, but it's it's on there forever. Yeah. I love that. Uh, I I love the annual Wrapped uh, listing, partly as a user because it's it's just very interesting and illuminating. Uh, but as a podcaster, I really like the annual Spotify rap. They started including podcasts in it a few years ago. And if you're a podcaster, I highly, highly encourage you to check out your Spotify for podcasters wrapped when it comes out, because there is a bunch of information and insights in there, which Spotify collects on the back end, but doesn't actually really highlight anywhere in your kind of dashboard. Uh, so there's lots of really cool kind of data points and nuggets of insight that that you you can only get there basically about how your Spotify audience is uh, consuming and interacting with your content. So yeah, definitely a date to put in the calendar. Sorry, is this really easy to find for podcasters? This checklist. We've written an article on it, so it's on PopPod. Um, and you can find more details about it. And it's also, um, it has its own page under Spotify for podcasters. So you can also find the checklist over there. Good to know. Useful. And also PodPod is definitely putting its money where its mouth is because it's hosting a conference on growth in podcasting, which is amazing. Adam, can you tell us a bit about this? Absolutely. So the Podcast Growth Summit is a one day conference that PodPod is putting on at the Barbican Centre in London. It is on the 30th of November, and it's essentially a one-day conference where podcasters can learn all about how to grow and scale their podcast, whether that's growth in terms of the number of downloads, the amount they're making in ad revenue, or the number of subscribers that they've got, or just the skills and sophistication uh, that they're using to create their podcasts. So we've got a number of really interesting sessions uh, on the agenda already, including sessions on the importance of knowing your audience, for which we're going to be joined by some folks from the Prison Radio Association and their excellent Life After Prison podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have sessions on working with advertisers and what advertisers want, uh, including Vicky Handley from Lloyd's, who we'll be speaking to on the podcast next week. And we've got a panel session from some of this year's Faces to Watch, where they'll be telling us all about their predictions and expectations for the future of podcasting going forward. So a nice packed schedule. Amazing. Gosh, 30th of November. Tickets are available on podpod.com, I assume? Absolutely. We will put a link to buy tickets in the show notes for this episode. Incredible. Right. Thank you so much, guys. I am so hyped for Sean Keaveney because... What a fun guy to chat to. No idea where this interview was going to go, um, which I feel like is always exciting ground with any interview. So here he is, Sean Keaveney, <laughs> talking to me and Adam. Sean, thank you so much for joining us on PodPod. How are you? I am... Um... All right, Rihanna. I'm Good. I'm fine. I'm you know I'm I'm here, 
And uh, I, I just think that's a real bonus and a plus, isn't it? You know, I'm quite happy. <laughs> for us it is, yeah. Just, just simply to be, simply to be exist- in existence is great as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I'm, I'm so intrigued, Sean, by your background because it's, it's sort of giving brick wall, but it's not a real brick wall. What's what's the deal? Oh, I see. <laughs> For a minute there, I thought you'd gone right on an immediate deep dive into like you know sort of where I was born, uh, <laughs> you know my I, I my educational background, and then I was calling. like, oh, you're talking about you're talking about the wall behind me. Um, okay, that's an easier question to answer. Um, this would be done very quick. This is actually this is fabric, you know. Look at that. I don't oh. what? Yeah, I've got a padded cell, it looks like. I think that's what Global thought when they had a chat with me. They were like, we need to put him somewhere where there are soft walls. <laughs> but, you know, the idea, I think, is is that, uh, you know, this is our kind of... Uh, I, you, you, Everybody listening to this, and especially you two, are going to be too far too young to remember this cultural reference, but the, back in the olden days, there used to be a television programme and it was this guy called Jack Hargreaves, and he was basically in a, in a shed, and he used to do like half-hour broadcasts about fly fishing in you know in Devon and stuff like that, and he'd just be surrounded by, I don't know, like just broken stuff that your dad has in his shed, and I suppose in some strange way, I think I was trying to. That's what we're trying to sort of do here. We're trying to make it our home, even though it's a studio. I have, I have quite an affinity with a dad shed because my dad has three sheds. Um, oh, wow. Three? Yeah. Three he's, shed family. Yeah. He's a hoarder. So, I, you know, oh, yeah. something something special about um, a dad that has multiple sheds and still can't find yeah. anywhere to put anything. Um, so I, I do I do kind of want to get into a bit of your actual background and not your recording oh. background, but only, only as far as podcasting goes. Although I don't feel restrained by that limit. But first of all, how did you get into podcasting? Because was it just a c- completely natural shift from radio? Was podcasting something that you sort of had your eye on and thought, actually, well, I could do quite well? that not really i suppose so i mean this podcast is is the as far as i'm concerned the 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 breakthrough one for me this is the one that's very much my brainchild and something that i've wanted to do for a long time you know i I, actually i've got to immediately retract that as nonsense because it's not my brainchild it was it was it was my it was my agent jeanette and and chris who runs global podcasts it was their idea to do a daily podcast credit where credit's due um, but but then my producer Ben and I sort of took it from there. You know, we we've built the whole idea ourselves. But uh, but yes, thanks, Chris and Jeanette. It was you as well. <laughs> I think it's really interesting that you say this is the one that you feel is your real breakthrough into the world of podcasting because it's. I think it's fair to say the closest podcast you've ever done. Arguably, the closest podcast I've ever seen to a radio show. It very much feels like the energy of of a of a breakfast or drive time radio show, and kind of replicating a lot of that format and a lot of the stylistic sort of elements of that. What kind of drew you to the format? Was it just kind of like slipping into an old comfortable jumper? Yeah, a little bit. It was. I mean, I, I can't slip into old jumpers; they don't fit. Um, very tight but um, I think that's right I think to to answer the question honestly I think a certain amount of curiosity 
uh, speaking to Chris in particular, who who heads up a lot of the podcasts over here, I know that he's a bit of a boffin when it comes to to the format and to, to the technology and, and and what people are listening to. And it, you know, it seemed like this idea of doing a daily podcast was catching a bit a lot of attention and a lot of numbers. Not mm. that as as an ADD guy, I don't really understand numbers and stuff like that. But um, obviously, there are fan- lots of fantastic podcasts that do, in particular, sort of current affairs, things like that. Um, but I, I don't know. I, we hadn't noticed that there were that many that, that, like you say, tried to ape that relaxed, daily sort of nonsense, stream of consciousness, uh, sort of radio program vibe. And, and mm. I think that we all thought, you know, it's worth a try. Let's give it a go. Ben and I who I'd worked with were terrified. We've had a couple of really dark nights of the soul uh, up up to launch because we we started to just wake up terrified in the night thinking, I don't think we're going to be able to do this. We, It's too much work. It's too much. We can't do this every day. It's ridiculous. But so far, so good. We're finding, actually, that the, there are ways and means of, 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 of filling that space and enjoying it, you know. We, we're trying, a lot of it is reciprocal. We're trying to get the listeners more and more involved as well so we can do less work so the podcast is obviously produced by global under the sort of radio x brand why not just create a a digital radio show you know an online radio show linear going out over over the internet why a podcast that's a really good question Bloody hell! Why didn't I think of that? Should have that. <laughs> I should have talked. Should have talked to you six months ago. Um, <laughs> well, actually, we kind of do that as well. We we have a thing called Community Garden Radio, which is uh, an, an online, a Patreon actually subscription at radio show that's still going strong. We do it on Wednesday afternoons, and it's two hours, mm. uh, and and that's great because we we've got our little cabal of community gardeners, our listeners. Um, who s- support us and who love it and are very reciprocal with the with, with the material. Uh, I I get to play songs and and that is that is a traditional radio program. So I get to scratch that itch, if you will, by doing that. Um, but I suppose the answer to that is it's an experiment and 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 I it was that's what like I say it was brought to me. Shall we try this? And I thought well yes because. The thing that is a bit different when it's not live, the thing that is a bit different when it's a podcast and when you're working with a genius, which I am with Ben, uh, and with people who are really supportive and get it, is that you've got more options. You've got more, we, we can record out and about. We can do, you know, I've made a big play of this, you know, but it, it is very exciting for me. We're not just stuck in in the padded cell. We can get on the bus and, and do a, a feature. We can go to the pub and do a feature. We can go to the canal side. We can go on holiday. Any of it can feed into the the the, the, the actual story of the podcast, which is brilliant. I mean, you can't do that on... If you're doing Radio 2 Drive Time with all with the best will in the world, you can't do that. <laughs> um, and, and that's quite restrictive. <laughs> um, so that's what... And, and we're, we're just getting... I mean, as you speak to me, this is our sixth show, you know. And, and and one thing I do know, anything that's got any longevity whatsoever, you've got to be, you've just got to carry on doing it for a year, two years, three years. And then, mm. oh my God, now you're getting somewhere. Mm. Whether we'll get the opportunity to do that, I don't know. But that's our plan is to just keep doing it and making it 
hopefully like weirder and weirder or, or like more, you know, getting, <laughs> just getting more and more people into it. So, you know, it's a, I always say it's like Stockholm Syndrome listening to us anyway. It's like it starts <laughs> off, you're just thinking, why am I listening to this? It's stupid. And then eventually you go, yeah, yeah, you've got me. I, like <laughs> I do like it as it turns out. That whole idea of like, like you say, an OB, an outside broadcast is a huge deal in radio and it takes so many people to organise and set up and it can be incredibly frustrating and limiting. But then you're just doing guerrilla podcasting in the world, which, you know, Adam Buxton also does very well. You know, your pilot Mm. is starting with litter picking along the canal. So, which, you know, seems like quite a humble OB, if you like. So, what are the what are the big <laughs> dreams for where you could take your outside podcasting? Oh, that's this is more like it. You know, this is wish fulfillment. <laughs> we've ju- we, we, we've we've literally just recorded today's, and for some reason, I don't know why, we, we t- we, people have been sending us recordings of their pets, so we put a few of those in pet sounds, and then uh, I started we started talking about exotic pets. And, and and for some reason, I said something like, "I've always wanted to see a Komodo dragon," you know. So then we were like, "Well, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? We could, we could go to Indonesia maybe and, and see if we can get our, you know, <laughs> get a, get our foot chewed off by a Komodo dragon for a, you know." But I, I think that might be a little bit overly exotic, really. To be on honest, now I've said dollar. it out loud. <laughs> on the global dollar, Spon- sponsored by. F, you know, <laughs> you never know, do you? But, but to me, that's that. I'll keep going, coming back to this as well, which is the the thing. The other thing I never used to really enjoy that much when I when I did radio was this kind of, and commercial radio does it quite a lot, or did back in the day, especially when there was loads of money knocking about. It was like the breakfast show next week is coming from Ibiza. And we're going to be, you know, and sponsored by Cuervo Tequila. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, it sounds that sounds like the presenters are having far much more of a good time than anybody listening. Yes. You know, that, that always used to annoy me a little bit. Wait, I know that whenever I've done OBs, even like crap ones at like, a, like Nottingham University or something, <laughs> the listeners in general are sort of like, well, this sounds like you're having more fun than we are. You know, we just wish you were in the studio and we could you read out our emails, you know. So it, it's it's like getting all that, getting that balance right, really. We, we just like doing all the really mundane stuff and elevating the mundane to something a bit more enjoyable, really. So that listener interaction is really interesting because that is that feels very very radio, but obviously something that has absolutely come over to podcasting. Why do you think is do you think that's more of your style, the way that you've always had that communication with listeners, that it's very important to have that in your show, or do you think if you want to have a radio style show in a podcast, you always need that, regardless of your past interactions with listeners? Yeah, I, it never occurred to me that we were making a radio flavored podcast but i suppose we are we are doing a little bit (laughs) by accident um and and i think that i suppose it's inevitable isn't it when you've done all those getting on for a quarter of a century on on radio my god the horror um (laughs) you're going to bring some of that to it there's no two ways about that but i i I, what I've, i've funnily enough i do remember when i started at six music all those years ago that was a sort of vague remit of mine uh, given to me by the controller was to sort of try and get Six Music to be a little bit more reactive, a little bit more, mm-hmm. you know, to use that word again, reciprocal and get the listeners involved. And um, that's 
what I that's what I always enjoy doing really that's when we do community garden radio it's just so much listener interaction and that's, mm. so that's a comfortable space for me I don't like just like being a stentorian one way broadcaster really mm. How do you find the production process of podcasting compared to radio? Is the the sort of back-end stuff, if you like, the sort of behind-the-scenes stuff, is that any easier with podcasting? I mean, you know, it does give a certain amount of flexibility. For example, we've just had about 10 minutes of frantic audio troubleshooting, which, because of the magic of podcasting, hopefully listeners will be none the wiser of until I just lifted the curtain. But do you find the sort of mechanics of it any easier than traditional linear? I do, uh, simply because I don't really do any of it. (laughs) <laughs> um, uh, so uh, it's really it's it's more or less like a at the moment like a two man endeavour really it's it's me and and Ben who do most of it we have a wonderful chap called Jack who helps us a bit as well but really uh, because we're so close to the beginning of it my role feels like at the moment is that we we turn up we we do stuff and record it all and then Ben will weave his magic and weave it together, then it drops at 5pm, and that's the pattern. When I was on radio, I eventually was more or less producing a lot of things myself because it was live. I had my cart wall with all my stuff on it, and I knew where everything was because I've been doing it for so long. Um, I'm, I'm noticing that I'm not I'm not as involved in the production side yet because I, I'm a bit new to it. Um, so I'm just sort of, you know, sort of poking at things and just <laughs> wondering if they're going to work. So, but I, I, as time goes on, I would like to be a bit more involved in that side. Whether Ben would agree with that is another matter entirely. <laughs> um, I, I want to go back to the to the listener thing for a minute because there are a couple of things there that I think are really interesting. So, first of all, you know, live radio, you're getting people who are either doing the school run or are listening in certain places, that routine where mm. they'll maybe only listen to one DJ in a station because that's the time that they're able to listen obviously podcasting is completely different so how does that change your approach in terms of appealing to listener habits yeah i should think of that i should think about that shouldn't i (laughs) (laughs) Um, not if it's working for you as it is who knows i I mean that's a really good point i we have started to think about that in the and funnily enough just today we had a conversation along those lines were we were saying we maybe we should ask people like you've exactly what you just said Rihanna maybe we should ask people well, what's your habit what when do you listen mm. to it where do you listen to it so we've got a picture um but I don't know you probably know better than I do actually when it comes to people's podcast habits when they listen I suppose they're as individual as people mm. themselves aren't they yeah. I mean what we in our heads we've got this very very sort of reductive idea that because it goes out at 5pm maybe a lot of people to them it's like a sort of drive timey sort of listen you know on the way home from work maybe so that that's in our head a bit at the moment but I bet as time goes on we find out that a lot of people don't listen like that they save it for later or you know uh, splurge them all at the weekend or whatever so yeah we we have to you I'm glad you've reminded me to ask that question because I do need to find out a bit more about that get a bit of market research done you know you might find that people are doing the Sean Keaveney omnibus yeah oh I'd love that 
That would be something, wouldn't it? Five, five episodes in a row on Saturday afternoon or something. <laughs> Can't think of anything switch worse. switch from the archers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sits perfect, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Love that um, idea. And also, you were just talking about um, your listeners getting their pets, noises, all sorts of things. What do you find gets the most from listeners in terms of their engagement? You know, if you put out, is it if you put out a poll or a question or you just start musing on something? What do you find is just the quickest way? Because I also know from live radio, if you have a listener, you know, you do a punt for listener interaction, that doesn't always work. And you're just left no. with the sound of absolutely nothing so yes i've been there many <laughs> times i've been there you know where you're just like punting away people are like nope yeah. nope 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 not interested yeah. <laughs> yeah. um i mean we're lucky in that in the regard at the moment anyway that we feel like we've got enough stuff to uh we you know we, it's a luxury to get the listeners feedback we don't we're not sort of utterly reliant on it like you might be in a live radio situation sometimes you might be like, well, I've not, I've not really got anything to talk about. And I've got three hours, <laughs> and people aren't getting back to me. That is horrible, isn't it? When mm -hmm. that happens. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but we, you know, just as a one example off the top of my head, recently, this is the kind of daft stuff that gets talked about. We would, we ended up having a bit of a, an, not an argument, but a discussion about the fishiest fish because <laughs> somebody was talking about mentioned salmon and I said oh I can't stand it I mean it's just it's too fishy you know it's too fishy a fish mm -hmm. and this precipitated a vituperative response from the listeners who were listing all manner of other fish that are far fishier than that fish <laughs> and um, you know what's the matter with you etc so you know anything as stupid as that can set set people off yeah. um, I, I, I also always find though for me personally when I get things wrong which is all the time. Uh, people love to, to correct me, uh, you know. And we even, we invented something years ago on, on the breakfast show called Pendant's Corner. Uh, <laughs> exactly, yeah. It was a, a lovely little joke that we did as a one-off, and it just stuck because people <laughs> thought it was funny, you know. And then and then of course every every few weeks somebody would guilelessly contact us and go. <laughs> I think you're spelling really? pedants wrong. It's <laughs> like, uh, another got one. one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was great. So yeah, whenever I get anything wrong, that's always a good uh, place for people to contact us. You know, <laughs> is that something you can take that forward feckened. as a feature? I mean, that's that's a whole that's a, an episode every Friday on all on its own. I think. You know. <laughs> So speaking of Fridays, uh, your new show with Global has a dedicated slot every Friday for a guest comedian to come on. How are you going about picking guests? Is it people that, you know, you think will sort of grow the listener base, you know, people with established podcasts? Global obviously has a lot of existing comedian podcasts and comedian shows in general uh, or is it just you know mates contacts people that you think are interesting you know whoever answers the phone what's yes. the what's the strategy it's all of all of the above um absolutely i think you're right i think it's always good to get people on who loads of people have heard of and are very popular it's really good to get up and coming people because uh, you know I, I sort of got left out of the loop new comedy for a long time with having 
and I, I we had a, our third uh, little and about four years ago, and then COVID and stuff. So you know, I've, I've been out of the loop of it of it all. So it's nice to get back into finding out who are these funny new comedians. But also, as time goes on, it won't just be comedians. It's just anybody that we fancy chatting to, really. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a nice it's a nice open goal. Uh, I, I think the one sort of thing that vaguely we understand about doing something daily is don't be too prescriptive about it. It's anybody you think is going to be interesting. Sometimes it's not, with the best will in the world, it's not always comedians that are the funniest conversationalists and I think mm. they'll be the first to say it. You know, A lot of the time comedians are really good on stage but that's when they're funny. They don't want to be funny when they come off stage or whatever, you know. So, you know, equally, it's not always going to be comedians. It's just anybody who can talk about the minutiae of their week in, in an interesting way, mm. um, you know, that, that's, the, that's the thing. I think that's another thing worth pointing out about a daily podcast such as ours. It's not always... It's not funny all the time, you know. Mm. In fact, it's probably not funny a lot of the time, mm. to be honest. It, it, we're sort of going for a kind of space. We were saying this last week. Somewhere between conversation and comedy. It's mm. like... It's like in the middle, uh, you know, uh, I started going on about this idea of it being like the cheers bar. Uh, mm. It's just the end of the yes. day, you're with people, you kind of trust, you like, you you would have a pint with them if you could, and whatever comes out in conversation, is that's what we're, that's what we're really aiming for, I think. Mm. I remember the Show and Tell podcast, the episode that you did with Al Murray, was fantastic because I, uh, at, at the time, I, I, I didn't really know much about Al Murray sort of as, a, as an individual. And I had no idea, you know, that he had gone to Oxford, I believe. Just insanely smart and well-read kind of guy. I mean, obviously the pub landlord is a persona, but I didn't realise sort of how, you know, how yeah. far the other direction uh, the actual guy was, uh, and I, I thought that was a really, a really good example of how, how guests can completely surprise you as a, yeah. as a listener. That's nice, isn't it? I, I, I that's, I've forgotten that, and Al helped us out big time though, because you've just given me a little shiver of PTSD because that was the first ever show and tell, that's for sure. You know, and it was a bit ill-starred. We didn't get past. Maybe we did 20 or 25 or something, but that was the first time. So I needed to choose a mate, somebody that I trusted and, and wouldn't mind if I was a bit shit, you know, if I was a bit rubbish. Um, and he was extremely accommodating, as you would expect. I love that. I, that's one of the real strengths of podcasts, isn't it? When people have got the time to show a different side to themselves and everything. And um, and, and that's that's really great. I mean, if I hope that we'll be able to do that sometimes as well but mo- a lot of the time it'll be because we're doing things in a slightly disarming way we, we won't always be talking to people in this in this padded cell other times we'll be <laughs> picking litter with them <laughs> or, um, <laughs> or fighting Komodo dragons with them maybe um, and, and, and I think I imagine that that might bring a different side to people out as well um, so with with show and tell the PTSD shiver what's what was that from what was tough about recording that series then i think that just i I actually think it was i was very inexperienced in that in the world of podcasting then anyway that was probably about Mm -hmm. six years ago five six years ago i hadn't done it before you know 
And the first time you do anything anyway is, is terrifying, isn't it? The, f the first couple of times. Mm. Um, I've subsequently done, just remembered, I, I do, I've been doing other things like um, Your Place or Mine for Radio yes. 4, you know, for BBC Sounds, which has been brilliant. Again, that, that was really good because it wasn't my idea. It was somebody else's and they thought I might be all right at it. Um, and they said, oh, don't worry, there's not, you don't have to do much. Basically, you're, you're the bell end that, <laughs> I mean, I might say it a different way. You're, you're the. Um, you oh no! Please do. <laughs> you, can you can you broadcast that? Um, oh, absolutely. Okay then. Yeah, but that, there you go. Then I think that was the Bigger BBC's ex exact wording. <laughs> <laughs> you are Sean. Exactly the bell end we're looking for. Um, I, I realise looking back now that that, that that's the premise of your place or mine, and also this Macmillan one was was essentially predicated on me being a bit thick you know or a bit or a bit sort of a bit slow the uptake or a bit daft or a little bit recalcitrant i didn't realize that maybe that's what i put put to the public you know is this part, part of myself that's, that's a bit befuddled true i've learned so much of my vocab from you <laughs> i don't think that yes. <laughs> that's great Rihanna. I thank you yeah i think that is absolutely not true um Good. i think you I mean, think the fact that things... you just use the word recalcitrant to you know that's in the cool. same breath as saying maybe you put out energy of being a bit thick. I don't think that quite scans. <laughs> Good. I'm glad that I've got that wrong. But uh, see, I always see something else that I get wrong. But but that's it. I think that those. But that that was definitely the vibe. On I think that the, the Macmillan podcast was called Sean's Not So Simple or something, and the photograph was me on the front being a bit like. And I was like, oh, God. When I look back on it, I think, I, I'm not sure if that's the, the, exactly the way I want to be remembered. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely remember those early podcasts and, and struggling a bit with, the, the, with it, you know, because it was quite structured, that one as well, it felt like. Mm. And I'm not very good with structure. That's, my, that's another problem. I'm a bit freeform, you know. With all these places that you've worked with, Global, with Spotify, with the BBC, doing podcasts for all of them, did you find that they offered you different things in how to put together a podcast or how they approached podcasting mm. as a medium? Yeah, I suppose. I mean, the people I work with at the BBC now are fantastic. You know, we've got such a great team mm. of producers and they're quite hands-on and they're very. there's a great deal of veracity with the BBC. It's like when, when I've done... Radio 4 programmes, like traditional radio programmes, like Saturday Live, they have a team of producers, they're very on it. They sort of do a pre-interview often of the person you're going to talk to, um, and so you're very prepared. Um, sometimes it doesn't... Sometimes too prepared for me, because as, as I've <laughs> already said, I, that's not really always the way I work. But for something like Your Place or Mine, it's great, because my, my role is to be the knave... And Izzy, Izzy Lawrence, who's my co-presenter, she's the mm. one who's got all the, the the facts, and she's brilliant at that. So that's quite nice for me. Uh, whereas here, it's totally different at Global because we've got the fantastic resources and the fantastic uh, belief and 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 support of the of the machine of Global. But otherwise, they leave us alone, and and so Ben and I then will just do what we want uh, with the support. And that's mm -hmm. absolutely brilliant. It's not controversial, I don't think, to say that it, it often wasn't like that when we were doing radio shows for the BBC, you know, for, for Six Music, for instance. And that partially because they didn't have any budget, really. 
Um, so they were a bit overstretched, you know. Yeah, don't I know but it? But no, yeah, we've got. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh yeah, you you know what I'm talking about. So um, the rueful laughs all round, you know. Um, but yeah, it's it's good. This is a really good mix, I think, of of having the 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 sort of power of it behind you, but they don't tell you what to do, and that's an amazing thing, really. Maybe they will do after the couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, no, 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 no. This is this is bullshit. This isn't working. You got to stop doing it. Do you find any of the limitations of radio actually more helpful than the sort of boundless? And it could be anything of podcasting. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you've got a good audience, well trained, and I, I say that in the nicest possible way, <laughs> you you have to explain your. You have to slowly show an audience what you expect from them over time. And if they start to enjoy that and they get it and they throw it back at you, if you've got that going and you've got a good producer and you've got good music, say, then you don't need much else. And that's mm. that's when you get to that Terry Wogan state of affairs where Terry would just roll up with four or five minutes to go, be given a you know, a sort of inch worth of emails and that's the show and that's <laughs> yeah. that's all you need, you know. You just need Terry. The music, the yeah, the producer, the emails, you know, that's just, you can boil it down to that. And that's phenomenal. Mm. It's, it's a framework that is comfortable because, you know, you, if you are running out of stuff to say, just put some Maccabees on, you know, yeah. uh, or, or, or whatever. <laughs> you, 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 exactly. It's just to soothe the savage beast. Uh, whereas, yeah, for us, like you say, it is a bit... I suppose you can drive yourself a bit mad sometimes thinking, well, we could do anything, so what can we do? Mm. Mm. Um, but, you you know, we, are, we have certain limitations in that I am a 51-year-old man uh, who always got one of his kids ringing him up saying that he's picking up. So, you know, maybe, the, maybe visiting the Komodo dragons won't happen for a couple of years yet. <laughs> Do you think Wogan, if he was still with us, would have a podcast by this point? <laughs> Definitely. I, I mean, I, I just uh, absolutely. It's um, it's de rigueur, it's just de rigueur, isn't it, for anybody who's got a voice or a, of any kind, you know, and especially people who've, I mean, literally as well as figuratively, <laughs> um, you know, and and obviously that that can be problematic if you're trying to cut through, and there are so many podcasts, mm. it's hard. But I get, yeah, somebody like Terry would. I mean, Steve Wright's got at least mm. two or three. I think a lot of the time that we, you know, with with sort of great, venerable BBC presenters, they will just, they're making a podcast of a, of a radio show that always, already exists, you know. Mm. But I, I would love it. I would love it if Terry was still here. I would love to see what him and a really good producer could do. They could probably make a really interesting podcast, actually. Or mm. somebody like, it's like when John Peel did, did his stuff at Home Truths on Radio 4, you know. Mm. He, he, he'd have been a great podcaster, I don't doubt it for a minute. He'd have been straight into it, I reckon. He would. I reckon he really would, and good. Do you see a difference in terms of the sort of skill set and approach between sort of a radio broadcaster and a podcaster? Do you think of yourself as a, you know, podcaster now versus a radio broadcaster, or does it all just fall into broadcasting? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I, I'm sure people who are a bit more experienced in podcasting would say it's a very, it's, it's quite a different skill set. But to me, it just feels like variations of the same job, really. Um, 
you know, I think if you, once you get good at communicating, you can do it in any format. You know, you can switch from doing a YouTube thing to a TV thing to a radio thing to a podcast thing. It's the same basic job. Unless you are one of these geniuses who's like a, you know, they're a podcaster and they, they, they do all the tech stuff themselves. Those guys are in a different league altogether, you know, and that, that that's not me. I'm, I'm like Captain Beefheart, really, you know, like in, in, in the sense that he, he couldn't really play any instruments, but he would just explain what he wanted to his guitarist, you know. So I, that's what I'm, I'm a bit like that, really. Yeah. Rihanna, what would you what would you say? Yes, I was nodding along with Sean because actually I do really agree that it is it's all part of the same skill set. I don't think it's hugely different. I think I think radio is actually a great place to have learned those skills rather than podcast first, if you see what mm. I mean. Live radio, um, I find a lot less nerve wracking sometimes than podcasting. I don't know if you found that Sean coming from that as well first. That's yeah. Because there is something about just having the adrenaline and the need to just push through onto the next bit yeah. rather than knowing that you can edit or knowing that you can, yeah, yeah. St- you know, I, f- I find that actually much more appealing as a broadcaster. I don't know about you. I used to hate pre-recording radio shows, you know, when we had yes. to pile up loads of pre-records at Christmas. Yes. I used to hate that. And then it's I got... It's horrible. It is. It's like you say, because you know you can do it again. It's, it's a different mindset. But funnily enough, we... We do it, we try and do it as much like that as possible, like yeah. it is live, you know, and, and that seems to help us. Actually, having said that, I think we've got, we've got two bits to left to record before the 5pm, haven't we? Thank you so much for talking to us. It's been a real pleasure. I really enjoyed that, despite the technical issues. And we, for which I apologise. Uh, thank you. Thanks very much for having us. And um, hopefully I'll, we'll speak again soon. I hope so. Enjoy the rest of the daily grind. I hope it all continues to go swimmingly. Fingers crossed. That was the weird and wonderful Sean Keaveney. I have to say, I absolutely love that chat. <laughs> it was, mm. um, a lot of a lot of tangents, a lot of funny voices, and technical issues, um, but that didn't detract from it at all. In fact, I think it enhanced it. So, Reem, I know you mm. you listened. You didn't get to experience it firsthand, um, but what did you come away thinking the most about? Well, I think one of the things that stood out to me was when he was talking about how easy it is to switch uh, from being a radio broadcaster to a podcaster. Um, And what he said was that if you can nail the communication aspect of it, then making that switch is easy. And you can do that with any other format. So if you're a YouTuber, you could be a podcaster. And it got me thinking about, you know, my experience going into podcasting. Obviously, before I started uh, PopPod, I haven't done podcasting before. Before. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you could tell, obviously. I mean, you're an absolute pro, so um, no. <laughs> only because you tell me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but um, so I was, I was thinking about doing that tra- transition from a journalist um, to becoming a podcaster. And I think as a journalist, you're trained uh, on how to interview people and how to communicate to an audience. And it's not that different with podcasting, except with podcasting, you're just getting to show a bit more of your personality in there, too. So you're not just giving the information. You're also showing more of yourself. And I think that's what people really appreciate. You get to show a completely different side to yourself than you would in a medium where you're where you're very restricted. 
um, and when you're on a time limit or under certain rules, like I understood what what he was what he was saying about the communication because it really is key to when you're transitioning to other other formats. I was, but Reen, you didn't necessarily grow up listening to. I don't know, like Radio 1 or 6 Music, did you? So you you don't necessarily have that same um, that same recognition of BBC presenters. So in terms of the p- podcast that you listen to, do you think there is a difference between people who have come from the BBC, quite obviously, and people who haven't? Can you tell a difference? Because I find that quite interesting about how how obvious it is if you've made that that move over from the radio to podcasts yeah I mean I think there's um well there's I, I remember reading something about like the BBC voice mm. um and how it's like a, a specific way that they talk that's different to other mediums and I think you could definitely tell that with podcasting um but I think that's something that people enjoy still because um, you know, when when we talk about news podcasting, for example, um, and the reason why a lot of people engage with news podcasts, a lot of it comes down to who the hosts are and the experience of the hosts. So if they know them as BBC journalists and they already trust them and they trust what they're talking about and that they know what they're talking about, um, when they come on to another platform and they're doing a podcast, I think they still have that same trust with the BBC journalist and then they're they're going to listen to to them on any other any other format. Um, so you could you could definitely t- at least from my my point of view, I could definitely tell the difference between a BBC voice and a, any other voice, but I don't think it's an issue necessarily. Mm. Mm. I think there's there's a couple of dead giveaways I find, uh, particularly with ex broadcast people, and one of them is that they will consciously self center swear words. Censor, and there were a yes. few points. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There were a few points where you could tell Sean was mentally uh, catching swear words on the fly, <laughs> which I think just surely has to be muscle memory at this point, because, you know, podcasting doesn't have a watershed. Mm. And certainly, you know, I was going to say certainly not this podcast, but that makes it sound like we're laden with profanity, <laughs> which is mostly not the case. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that kind of, that automatic muscle memory goes across a bunch of different things when you've been at the BBC, particularly for as long as someone like Sean. Yeah, that whole idea of listener interaction was something that I was really interested in because that feels Mm. to me very old school radio, you know, literally waiting for listeners to call in with their issues or their funny jokes, their funny stories. You can hear that on every single radio station that you tune into pretty much. So that that move to podcasts I don't know if that works as well for me like I sometimes I do I feel like I'm just listening to the radio and in fact then I'd maybe just rather be listening to live radio and also that that whole idea of it being timed or having to listen to producers all of the time or telling you to rap mm. because I, I I feel like that has still been brought over to certain podcasts with Kermode and Mayo show for example the take that still feels very much like a produced not necessarily even BBC mm. show but produced radio show um because yes. it's timed down to the you know the minute almost and heavily edited well, and that's again and it's that muscle memory because it will almost certainly be produced by 
you know, former BBC radio producers. Um, I think we need to leave it there because we could just ramble on ourselves about Sean Keaveney and radio and the BBC for a long time. Um, but thank you so much, Adam and Reem, for joining me this week. Thank you, of course, to Sean Keaveney and the never seen but oft talked about Ben, um, <laughs> who was very much looking after the whole proceedings. And thank you, of course, for listening. And you can find out so much more on podpod.com. Sign up to our daily email bulletins. And don't forget, you can get tickets for the Podcast Growth Summit as well on the 30th of November. So make sure you find those on podpod.com. The podcast is produced by Ollie Peart for Haymarket Business Media. And I'm your host, Rihanna Dillon. I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.